London, uh, you are part of the Soma UK, you lead Soma UK, um, and you, you have a real heart for people hearing God's voice, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> that's, um, that's, uh, I came, I, Rich and I have not met before, but um, I have been really enjoying his blog, which I find really helpful and thought, thought-provoking and um, expansive, so, um, that's, uh, so it was on the back of that that I approached you, so really grateful that you've come. Um, I'm just going to pray for you and then hand over for you to take this as you'd like. Um, Lord, thank you for Richard. Thank you for um, for all the roles that he he's, he uh, he has in your uh, in your service. Thank you for his heart to lead people to greater encounter with you and greater understanding of who you are. I pray that as he uh, speaks with us this morning, that we will be hearing what you want us to hear. Um, I pray that you would richly bless him and build him up as he shares, uh, um, and that we would uh, we would understand more of you. And that he would understand more of you, even as he shares. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jenny. I'll grab that. I'm going to move this, uh, I'm going to move this centrally because it's a, a sort of a visual aid reminder that we're here with the Worldwide Church. And these are just a few of the people, same uh, as we're, we've ministered with over recent years. Um, I hope you're here to have fun this morning. I know it's been billed as a theology morning, but uh, you know, which might put you off a little bit, but I hope you're here to have fun. Um, we were praying earlier. This is our little team, uh, and I, I got them to try and pray before we got here, and we shared a few different words, which will come out later on. I've got Oscar and Abraham and Prudence in the front row. Um, but one of the, the images that Prudence had was of a, a sort of a genie wanting to pop out of a bottle here and a sort of sense of God wanting to break out in a, a really exciting way. And it fit in with something I felt God say to me when he, he just sort of encouraged me to just to pause and pray for you. And I had this image of there being a lovely well here in the church, you know, like one of those raised wells off the floor, nicely built up. And it had a sort of wooden um, planks on top of it that you might put to protect a well, you know, to stop um, nasty stuff getting into the pure, clean water. Um, But inside the well was this sort of character, fun-loving sort of character, trying to peek out of the well, um, which felt like it was the Holy Spirit. And he was trying to get out, but there were planks on it. So it it pushed them up and have a look around. But on top of the planks had been put things like a a very nice uh, sort of church Bible, and some sort of ecclesiastical documents and maybe even a bishop's staff and, uh, you know, sort of the sort of the laws of the Church of England, the, the liturgy and so forth. And it was sort of like if he pushed the planks off, it might topple the stuff that had been put on top of the well. <laughs> so it was like, oh, I, I, you know, and people were like, oh, no, we've got to keep the stuff on it. And I think the sense was, which I, I felt Prudence picture sort of added to, was actually um, the Holy Spirit just wants to come and have fun with you. Um, and... This is, I think you're used to him having fun with you. Um, and he's just saying, come on, it's, it's time to let me out again. You know, well done for protecting everything. Well done for keeping it safe and, and so forth. But let's have some fun together. So I hope today will be incredibly fun. Does that, does that resonate? Does that feel like, uh, you know, it might be some fun today? Um, so basically the structure of today, if we can flick a couple of the slides on, um, uh, the structure of today is we're going to start off with me giving a bit of input. Uh, then we're going to have our, our tea and coffee break. Um, does the, do the slides roll, Jonathan? Um, have the tea, tea and coffee break. Uh, then we're going to pull these guys up here, and they're going to uh, help with some Q and A, and they're going to share some prophecy-type stuff. Uh, and then uh, they're just finding that out as, uh, as they sit here. Um, and, and then we're going to uh, do it ourselves. So we're going we're gonna to sort of hear God's voice for ourselves. Um, I've done this in all sorts of contexts, and... Normally, like, you know, 60, 70, 80% of people come away going, oh, yeah, I felt like God said something. But it's really important to know that if you don't feel like God said anything to you today, that's fine. It doesn't matter. Um, and we'll try and talk about how God speaks to us very generally and very specifically through the scripture, as well as uh, through um, uh, specific revelation that we'll be focusing on a bit today. So that's sort of the structure for today. Uh, just to introduce Soma UK. Anyone heard of Soma UK before today? Um, yeah, the Abraham who works for us has, and Prudence who's a potential trustee has. Um, but I have to be honest, I had never heard of Soma UK before I applied for the job with them, uh, which came on someone's Facebook feed. I had been uh, doing some work with New Wine, which people heard of New Wine, is that, that more familiar? So I was the regional director for this sort of area, and uh, I'm still on the regional team for New Wine. Uh, but Soma UK has this amazing history. It goes back for four decades, and it basically goes around the world and brings renewal ministry, uh, encouraging leaders, 
um, refreshing people, doing the sort of thing we're doing now, actually, um, but with, uh, with leaders, uh, oftentimes in places that are, are hurting. Um, I'm hoping that next week I'll be able to get in a van and drive out to Poland, uh, to, the, to the borders, uh, to the refugees there, uh, with a guy who's just left the Ukraine. Uh, his wife's Ukrainian, got her back to the Isle of Wight with his baby, but he wants to drive back out to the refugees. So I'm hoping we're going to be able to take a van load of, of goods that have been collected by a Ukrainian priest in London um, out there. So that, that's the sort of thing that, that SOMA does. It's tending to the nervous system of the body of Christ. So, SOMA stands for sharing of ministry abroad, um, but it also means body in the Greek language. So caring for the body, caring for the body of Christ. Um, so so that's, that's a little bit on us, uh, connecting the church around the world. Just keep keep flicking through. Uh, here's uh, Justine Bardiarama, uh, who's our patron, overall patron, and some dancing bishops in South Sudan. Uh, just to bring the joy to the table. Um, it, is, um, it is really, really lovely to be with you. I'm, I'm hugely grateful for the invite. Um, I don't know if you know Jenny, but there is someone here who uh, has probably seen me fall asleep in one of my own seminars when I was... Which is Izzy, uh, Izzy Collier at the back there. Um, she, she was one of my young people uh, in Scripture Union holidays. And uh, there was one uh, seminar we were doing on this New Year's camp where we probably all stayed up till two in the morning. And um, I think I was doing it on Islam or something. And I, I got them into discussion groups and just lay down. <laughs> and after 15 minutes, they had to wake me up to carry on. So if you fall asleep today, that's fine. Um, Oscar and Abraham are going to bring around our newsletter now. So if you're, you're tuning out of what I'm saying, um, you're welcome to read the newsletter instead. And if you're intrigued by Jenny's comment on my blog, it's yournameislikehoney.com. And you're welcome to flick your phones on that instead. If you're looking at the football scores, um, that, you know... It is Saturday, isn't it? <laughs> Have fun. Um, let's go on again. Uh, but I love to hear the voice of God. This is the, uh, the basic program today. I, if you click again, that might try and through. No, we'll, we'll stick on this. So before we get going, I've got a blob tree. Do you remember blob trees, Izzy? Yeah, so I've got a blob tree for you. Uh, and it's really to have a look at this image. And I'd love you just to sort of think, in terms of getting your head around hearing God, um, where would you put yourself on it? Because I, what I don't want to do is do a seminar where you come away going, yeah, I knew that already. Um, I'd love to sort of build from where we are. Um, so these are just these little androgynous characters. Um, you've got someone balancing on a beam. You've got someone staring off into the distance. You've got someone reading the book, someone using the binoculars, someone who's scratching their heads. Someone trying to, I don't know if they're trying to read tarot cards, I'm not sure. Um, you, you can interpret it any way you like, but for 30 seconds, just have a look at it. And if you, you know, if you need permission to do so, you can say, God, which one is me? If that will help you, or you can just choose. It's not an over-spiritual exercise. Um, but so is there one of those that you relate to? You don't have to look like them, that's all right. It's just more what they're doing. And 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 3, 2, 1, 0. Okay, let's, um, let's just do a straw poll, shall we, just for the, the fun factor. Um, anyone feel like they're doing that balancing thing? Yeah, we've got a couple there, the vicar, unsurprisingly. Um, I, I don't know if that's someone tearing a butterfly apart. Is that a... <laughs> Did anyone relate to that one and can explain why they're tearing a butterfly apart? They, okay. Um, how about the light bulb? Yeah, I've got a light bulb moment. I like that. Um, how about the... Uh, that's a particularly, particularly good slide, isn't it? Any, anyone? Anyone? Yeah, got, got one in the back. Um, scratching your head. Like, what is going on here? Yeah, one of the, one of the couple of the main team have got a scratch of their head, so that's encouraging. Um, binoculars off to the sides. Yep, sort of staring, trying to work it out. Anyone reading tarot cards? Have we got anyone want to repent of that? Oh, yeah, again, church team member there. Okay, and reading the book, reading the scriptures maybe. Yeah, lovely. Okay, um, again, by, by, by just show of hands, who, who's heard a seminar or something on listening to God's voice before? Who, who's been along to, you know, sort of Prophecy 101? Okay, who would say by show of hands, um, this is something I feel really comfortable with, um, I, I, I get listening to God already. A little bit. Um, who would say the most 
common way God speaks to me is through uh, the Bible, when I, when I open the Bible. Um, the most common way God speaks to me is through uh, someone saying something encouraging to me. Through nature, creation, uh, through time on my own, introvert sort of time, uh, when I'm in a noisy worship setting. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? I mean, there's no right or wrong there, but it is, we're a range of people, aren't we? A real range of people. So as, as you're listening to this, do just sort of accept that, that you, you were all made differently. And uh, I'm going to say something really uncontroversial in a minute, uh, which is something that Jesus said, which is, my sheep know my voice. <laughs> um, but how we hear his voice is all all quite different. And there's a lovely phrase in Pete Griggs' new, uh, new book where he points out that that hearing God is the, the Greek word akouo, which is where we get acoustic from. And the sense of what we're trying to do is tune in almost to the music of God as much as sort of just downloading a specific Ten Commandments type moment. We're sort of tuning into God, a bit like a tuning into a frequency. Does that, does that make some sense? We're all a bit different. We're all wired differently. And we, we learn this stuff very differently. But hopefully, as we go through, um, we'll, we'll make some movement this morning. Um, so I wanted to just explain a tiny bit of my personal journey with this uh, to, to set the scene. That's uh, a picture of me going to Dunavats on the Black Sea, uh, the Danube estuary in, in Romania. Uh, it's actually not far off Ukraine, um, as you can see. Um, uh, Nicola, my wife, did uh, mission trips to Moldova and Ukraine as a teenager. I did mine to Romania. Um, and Romania was the country where I first sensed God speaking to me directly in. I was 17. I got sent on a short-term mission trip, a bit like a SOMA mission. Uh, I was a vague churchgoer. Um, but uh, I went out really for the travel opportunity. And when I was uh, with the team before we flew, I got homesick for God. They seemed to know God in a way I didn't. And so I prayed, God, please, will you work in me this week? And when I got out there, again, I was homesick for God, not really for England or Surrey, um, but for God. And I said, please give me the Holy Spirit. I don't think I'd heard that prayer in the church I was growing up in, but God filled me with the Spirit. And I got a passion for reading the Bible. And I found this most peculiar thing is that I felt like there were instructions coming into my head, but I couldn't quite work out what to do with it. And the first night after becoming a Christian, it was going to be quite a dramatic little story. They said, would you stand up, please, in front of the villages in Romania, uh, where the camp that we were in was based? And they were inviting them in for an evangelistic evening. This is just not long after the fall of communism. And I was like, no, because at school, I was one of those kids who couldn't speak in public. You know, it was like, fuck, something is bad because <laughs> that's, that's I just couldn't do it. I obviously wanted to do it because I kept putting myself in a situation where I was trying to do it, but I couldn't do it for the life of me. People literally are falling asleep all over the place. So I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not standing up in Romania speaking to a bunch of villagers about something that I'm still trying to work out. But I had this nudge in my head, no, speak. So I did it. I was obedient to the nudge in my head. Um, and what had happened the night before is after praying for the Holy Spirit to come, I had found that I was repenting of my sin I had tears welling in my eyes I was thinking about the different types of me the bits of me that was one person with my girlfriend one person with my mum one person if I ever went to church one person at the youth group one person at school uh, almost like a very divided me and as I was thinking of it I began to repent and as I repent the tears welled up and and eventually I was choking uh, on these on these prayers and tears uh, and someone came in and said what's wrong I couldn't speak because I was <laughs> All like you know all this emotion and I you know I was 17 and it was this was 90s but it was the sort of stage where you trained yourself not to cry still um the, you know that's sort of gone now hasn't it but we were, I trained myself not to cry and suddenly I was in massive emotion and so I, I prayed one more prayer I said God give me the words and, and as I prayed that I was able to tell my whole story to the person who had asked me what, what's wrong with you and so the next night I got up and I found that God was still giving me words to say. And people were listening. It was mind-blowing. I was like, wow. Got home uh, to England and I, I did my testimony again at school and at my baptism. And people were listening and it, it really was like, what's going on? But I didn't have any sort of vocabulary or way of sort of explaining 
the fact that I seem to be getting messages in my head um, because my church wasn't really one of those sort of churches, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'd had this sort of, you know, I knew there was thing, something called schizophrenia. And I was like, you know, is, is, is it a mental illness? Is there something going wrong? And then at university, someone gave me the book that's up there called Listening to God by Joyce Huggett, a lovely Christian lady. She was in Nottingham at the time, I think. And it just began to explain in systematic ways that it was uh, possible and actually our birthright as Christian believers to hear the voice of God. And there's this lovely little, um, uh, little uh, song by Cutting Edge called The Prophet Song. Um, which we might be able to hear just a, a tiny clip from. Um, yeah, I think we can. Um, and this was released around that sort of time. And I remember listening to this on my way up to uh, Vicar Factory, uh, tra- you know, selection. And it, it just talks about, I love to hear the voice of God. Let's, let's have a tiny clip. I was playing that on my way to the Vicar Selection place, and you'd have done one of these, Jenny. And basically what they do is they torture you in the countryside. Um, So they they take you to a place where there is a a village church that rings the bells every hour of the night, and they try and keep you awake in sleep deprivation sort of mode and see if after 72 hours there you're still vaguely civil. And that's a a good test for surviving a PCC, apparently. (laughs) Um, So so I, I went to that, but... I was so struck that it is actually, it's those sort of personal moments where God's communicated with me, which have made so much difference to me. Why? Because I had the sense that I was known, <laughs> that I was known. You know that, um, that amazing bit of uh, 1 Corinthians where it talks about, then we will be fully known. It's such a beautiful idea. We will know fully and we'll be fully known. A sense that God really knows me. God really knows me. And you may have heard some you know, amazing stories of it. Uh, I, I had a guy who worked with me in uh, Wolverhampton. He was a student in our, our little young adults church there called Adam. And he had been living a sort of a, a promiscuous life. And uh, he had one, one day managed to um, uh, flick on the God channel late at night. And there were some Christian bodybuilders on there. And they were doing like some sort of bodybuilding and then convert or you're going to hell sort of uh, type evangelistic speech. And he was drunk watching the telly and it went right through him and he got down on his knees like they told him to on the telly, uh, repented and, and carried on his life. Um, and then he went out on the, on the pool, um, if that phrase works in South London, um, on the pool. And uh, he, he brought a girl back to his, his house or flat um, was a few days later and discovered that he couldn't actually go through uh, with, with his promiscuity anymore. It was like... Yeah, he had to sort of let her go and it was all like, oh my goodness me. So he went and talked to the local vicar and said, what's going on? And what it was, was that God spoke his language and God knew what he needed. He needed this sort of bodybuilder type thing and then he needed the sort of follow-up of the, the vicar doing things. And of course, there's, there's a lot of us that love that sort of supernatural side of ministry, isn't it? And someone was saying, you know, how much they like the idea of God talking to them because... They really want something directive and God to reveal something that will just sort of keep them going. And of course, there's there's a place you can discover that, isn't it? You can discover it on cable TV in the um, the psycho um, sort of uh, channels late at night, where someone does sort of readings of people and they just look at you and they, from from your face or whatever, they go, I I understand this about you're very sad or you're miserable or or whatever. And and they draw that sort of soulish stuff out of us. And... uh, and, and there's a bit of us that just want that. We've wanted it for centuries. We've had druids, we've had priests, we've had prophets, all sorts of people. We would just tell me something divine. And, and actually, when we look and as we go into this in Scripture, the big thing God wants to do with us is not 
do readings, spiritual readings of us to tell us exactly what to do or when to do it. He doesn't want to control us. He doesn't actually tend to tell us the future too much either. What he really wants is us to move away from being like, as it puts it in scripture, like the mule who has a bit between his mouth who has to be pulled left and right like this, to being grown-ups who make the right decision because we're walking in step with God. If you've read through the beginning of Proverbs, it talks about getting wisdom. It's basically about putting good instruction into practice. So God wants us to be people who are free to choose him and do the right things with him. But there are many, many moments where he'll interrupt your life and go, here's some revelation, here's a divine download, here's something special. And he'll do it most especially for you if you're going to give it away. If you want it for me, 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 it's a sort of a limited flow. If you want it to build up God's people for evangelism, for witness, then you're in free flow mode. If it's like, God, you've got to tell me everything, limited. If it's God, I just want to hear from you so that this spreads out into the church and community, free flow, because he loves to talk to his people. And that's some of my, my start of personal journey. What, what happened from that evening on after I'd uh, stood up and, and said this thing is that I also discovered a real love for the scripture. Um, I, I, I can't say that I've universally had that love of the scripture all the way through my 26 years of Christian walk since then. Um, I did theology a few times. That sort of slightly destroyed my, my love of scripture for a while. <laughs> I had to sort of get some of it back again. But... Um, that, uh, that old NIV study Bible, I don't know if anyone remembers that particular edition, um, that was one that I took around with me everywhere. Um, got a tattered one, I ended up giving one away in Bombay and then getting another one back. And, um, and I could tell on bits of the page where something was because I got used to that Bible. And uh, if you flick again, Jonathan, it's... Um, I would do Bible reading. I read through the whole thing in about three or four months. I would memorize passages. I'd listen to great Bible teaching. I'd do my own Bible study. And, uh, and I would teach people on Scripture Union camps and other things as well. And it all sort of added up to a sense of, I, I, I pretty much get what God's about and who God is from the Scripture. Um, this is sort of age 17, 18, 19, 20. And it became that picture on the, on the right there is a ministry, a plumb line, that image of a plumb line in the scripture. And so it says you sort of know where your true north is. You know what your right from wrong is. I realized after a few years of doing that, that if someone said something that was off key, I, I could discern that it was off key, which of course, when I went to theology college, it was like, hey, because half the stuff's off key at theology college. Um, that might be an underestimate. Um, more than half the stuff's off key. Um, and it, it was, so that was huge. And Pete, Pete Gregg's book that's out um, this, this week, the first half of how to listen to God is him talking about scripture and how do we listen to God in scripture? How do we read it? And then how do we pray it? And, and anyone try the Lexio um, 365 app that, that they're doing there? And basically he said, well, once, once you've understood the plumb line of scripture, you know, once you know what's in the, the whole of it, one of the best things you can do then is just dig deep into two or three verses a day and let them read you as much as you read it. And that's what that, that app's all about, trying to, uh, trying to hone in on that. So eating the word is the first stage. Um, but then to grow in the prophetic... Um, I, I sort of needed to be moved into a different style of church for a while. And um, so I'd gone from very good teaching churches into very, very charismatic churches. Um, anyone sort of spent time in a very charismatic or Pentecostal church? Anyone moved around a bit? Um, this particular church was in the New Frontiers or NFI International Stream at the time. Um, and they had, this, they had this incredible concept of what a prophet and apostle and so forth could be as someone who could impart ministry to you. And it was very, it's very dynamic. It's very exciting. And, and they did the exercise that we'll, we'll look at later on today uh, in, in the, the church I was in. And, and what they basically sort of trained us to do was try and listen to God's voice very, very deliberately 
so that we honed in on what he might be wanting to say in any specific circumstance. And one of the ways that I found that God had been training me in rapid response listening or, or tuning in was I used to pray uh, three mornings a week with a, a couple of the, the girls from university. Um, three mornings a week I was up rowing and uh, three mornings I was uh, up praying. And uh, they would come in, I would be, I would they'd bang on the door, I'd have to sort of wake up quickly. But the there was, it was back in the day where we had tape cassettes. Um, these guys don't know what a tape cassette is, but some of you will remember cassettes, yeah? And I had, I had a, a player that could play two of them at once on a remote control, so it was pretty, pretty high tech. Um, you, you, I'll explain it later. <laughs> okay. um, and the, I found that I was getting these prompts to choose a song. Um, you know, my musical ability is the CD player or, or the tape cassette. That's my, but I, I was getting a sense from the Holy Spirit of play this one, play this one. And it would move us along in a, in a prayer time. And sometimes you'd be just trying to learn, actually, if I pray by listening first and then speaking, sometimes the prayers that come out are incredibly powerful because they're the same one that the person next starts to praying. Or, or I want to pray something and they've started praying it as well. So there was a sense that the Holy Spirit could be like a conductor and we're just joining in. So I was, I was getting this from the church. I was getting this from my experience that you can sort of join in with these nudges. And the more you trust them, the more God was backing it up. You get, you're going somewhere with it, within the plumb line of scripture. And then I came across this, this idea of growing in the prophetic uh, through Mike Bickle and, and the New Frontiers teaching. And it basically just, just said something a bit like you're not it already Richard (laughs) very helpful when you're like 19 and know everything um and uh and I'd had a picture uh of me as a big oak tree um which is a lovely image in scripture isn't it it's like psalm 1 blessed is the man who is by the stream you know he's like an oak tree or whatever um give him shelter and I took it to my mentor who was in his 70s and I said I've had this picture of me as a wonderful tree (laughs) and he's like totally unimpressed by this picture he said yes maybe one day Richard (laughs) and it was so good because that and this book gave me a sense of look this is something that you will grow into if you choose to grow Um, and of course not if you choose not to and so there was a sense of I wonder what it would be like to get to the point where prophetic stuff becomes very natural. And Bickle's book says it takes 25 years to make a profit. I think it's a fairly arbitrary number that he's pulled out of nowhere. But it gives you a sort of sense of, ooh, isn't it? And of course, many of the people that you'll know and trust in your church context here, you'll know that they've been honing in for years and years, getting sharper and sharper on, on what they're saying. So Bickle's, Bickle's book and City Church uh, there were very, very helpful uh, in, in, in setting that out. Reading, modeling, correction, practice, uh, and these sort of prophecy games. But one of the images that was sent to me anonymously at this time was, was uh, you know, incredibly helpful to me. Um, this is something that you should never do to anyone. Um, but I was up at university, and I got an anonymous letter posted somewhere near Gatwick Airport. So if it was one of you guys, then uh, (laughs) thank you, um, but don't do it again. Um, And it it basically said, when you're looking for God, you're always looking for where the wind is moving powerfully and the waves are really high. But actually God is often found in the stillness and the reflection. And there was me, frantic, frenetic, desperate to be holy, desperate for revival. I was, I was copying out books on revival by Billy Graham. I wanted to see it all, and I wanted it now. And God, through some great saint of his, wrote me this letter saying, actually, it could well be in the stillness that you, you go much further with God. And that was, that was, again, really helpful. So sometimes it was the more corrective stuff that was good. Let's flick on one more. Thank you. So Prophecy 101, if if you've never been to a seminar on prophecy, these are some of the things that that will be taught to you almost straight away on hearing God's voice. Uh, Let's flick through. Um, So the uh, simplest sort of definition of prophecy, uh, how is the Holy Spirit directly applying what God wants to say to us today? Uh, What's God putting his finger on for people today? 
And, and that sort of thing can happen without you realising it. There's a, a guy called Martin Lloyd-Jones, famous London preacher. Anyone heard of the, the doctor, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones? He was famous for something called unction, unction. And unction is the anointing of the Holy Spirit on a sermon. So it's a perfectly normal sermon going through the Bible passage. And then suddenly you're sort of smacked between the eyes by the Holy Spirit. He's going, that's the thing. That's the thing. I had one of those uh, about this time when uh, I'd been on the Alpha Holy Spirit weekend. I'd come back to my church. I'd, I'd realized that I needed to give up a relationship which wasn't going to do me any good. And then the most boring preacher in the church was due to preach that evening. And I'd gone along anyway out of duty. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I was in, in, the, in the zone, I suppose. And he got up the front and said, I've, I've had this really weird thing happen to me. I've shared it with the pastor who's told me that I can do it. Um, but I was supposed to preach on the book of Ezra today. Um, but God drew my attention to Ezra 9 and 10 and gave me what felt like a divine dictation. I, I don't know how well you know the book of Ezra. Anyone, anyone know it backwards and forwards? Uh, Ezra 9 and 10 is about the, uh, the rather gruesome bit of scripture where God tells the people to put out their foreign wives. <laughs> And so there was me in this relationship as a brand new born again Christian with a non-Christian girl coming up to our 18th birthdays. She apparently had publicly said she was going to sleep with whoever she was going out with on her 18th birthday. We were due to go to a black tie school ball prom sort of thing together in a few weeks time. I just realized that God might not be happy with the way my life had been going since my lovely conversion in Romania. And suddenly this bland and boring preacher, bless him, um, had this divine download on getting rid of foreign wives in your life. <laughs> read it out. Um, well, actually, just read out the scripture. And I was like, oh my goodness me, this is me. I, I'm in tears again. Um, so tears and being a Christian seem to have gone together for me. Um, then read his thing. And I just, I left the room. And it took the organist in his 70s or maybe even his 80s uh, to come and, and say hi to me. And he was like, doesn't get much better, Richard. <laughs> this is still difficult as you get older. Um, and and you know, he, was, he was right. But it was interesting because God sometimes has used those really corrective things. Um, why? Because I've said to him things like, uh, in song or in prayer, I will offer up my life in spirit and truth. And he takes it seriously, doesn't he? And if you pray crazy, stupid prayers in the sung words or in your own prayers, he, he holds you to it, thank goodness. He keeps you on a, on a, a fairly tight rope. So the, the Prophecy 101 is not, we don't start out going, Lord, please give me something to make the 18-year-old in church cry because I think he's a bit <laughs> sinful. Um, we start out with a lovely understanding that actually... Uh, my sheep know my voice. Which gospel is that from? John. Yeah, John. Jesus' words. My sheep know my voice. Uh, and then there's the lovely quote from Amos 3.7. The Lord does without telling his prophets beforehand. The Lord does nothing, is what Amos says. Amos, who was just a shepherd... The Lord does nothing without telling his servants beforehand. Uh, and then this psalm that Matt Redman wrote a lovely song about. Uh, the Lord confides in those who fear him. He shares the secrets of his heart. That gives us one of the first clues, isn't it? It's as we get ourselves in that right relationship. He loves to tell us stuff. He loves to tell us what's going on. Uh, and then Moses uh, in Numbers 11. Do you remember the story? The 70 elders are being commissioned. It's a great story. Moses had got rid of his wife and kids for quite a long time during the Exodus story. He's left them at his father-in-law's house. He's now got out into the wilderness and his father-in-law is pretty fed up with the grandchildren by this stage. So he takes his daughter and the grandchildren and sort of dumps them with Moses, observes how Moses is doing as a leader and goes, you're not doing a great job, son. <laughs> this is really daft how you're doing it. And Moses sort of listens to him and then kicks him out of the camp in the next moment. It's, it's, it's a great bit of scripture in Numbers, Numbers 11, human interaction. But the upshot of it is that Moses appoints 70 elders and the Holy Spirit falls on them, but it also falls on two extra people who are hanging around the edge of it. And Joshua, famous Joshua, goes, Moses, shall I tell them to shut up? Shall I tell them to stop prophesying? And Moses goes, no! Key verse in the Old Testament. I wish that all God's people could prophesy. 
It's not just for me, not just for the hero leader. It's not just for the team. It's not just for the vicars. I wish that all God's people could prophesy, which then leads us on to that obviously amazing quote from Joel that we get at Pentecost. On the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Their sons and daughters will prophesy, old men, young men, dream dreams and have visions, that sort of thing. In, in Corinthians, we have eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, eagerly desire, hunger and thirst after righteousness, you'll be filled, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, uh, especially that you may prophesy. Uh, and then what Jesus says is that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will remind you of everything I've taught you, which ties together in that lovely mesh, actually, that you saw earlier, Jenny, the sense that it is word and spirit together. So what, what God does through the Holy Spirit is reminds us of what we've learned through Jesus, primarily through his revelation in his written word. You say, I'd love to hear God's voice more. Well, the first question is, how much of his voice have you memorized so that he can draw it back to your attention? Yeah? I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? No temptation has seized you except what's common to humans. And God is faithful. He will give you a way up so you can stand underneath it. So what you've got in your head, he can remind you of. And essentially the essence of prophecy is the Holy Spirit going, that's the one for now. That's the moment for now. Of course, prophecy can be a little bit more than that as well. And sometimes we talk about words of knowledge or words of instruction or words of clarity. And Jesus uses prophecy in his ministry a huge amount of the time. And that's been one of the gifts of movements like New Wine, explaining that to us. Uh, for example, do you remember where he says to Nathaniel, I saw you under a fig tree? And the guy just like repents there and then. It's astonishing, isn't it? It probably didn't mean that he saw him there under the fig tree because that's not going to cause that reaction. If you've been watching the Chosen uh, series, it has a, a lovely portrayal of this. It imagines that Nathaniel is a great architect who's caused a synagogue to come crashing down and is sort of shouting against God underneath a fig tree, ripping up his architectural qualifications in a way that all of us could relate to at times, having that sort of life crisis. And Jesus just goes, yeah, I saw you under the fig tree. <laughs> and it sort of makes sense, doesn't it? He was probably doing something under that fig tree like that. And the fact that Jesus knew who he was and where he was through the Holy Spirit was revelatory for him. Jesus does that sort of thing all the time. He also does the forward-looking, you, uh, you are Simon, but you will be Peter. He sees his potential in him and speaks it into him prophetically. He calls it into him. And that's the sort of thing that he, he wants us to be able to do as well, to see what the Father's doing and join in. So if, if we flick on to... The next slide, uh, Prophecy 102. Um, see, one of the things I've, I've realized is that there's quite a lot of people in the church who are okay with Prophecy 101, which we'll, we'll do more of later on. And it's, you know, it, it, it's a bit like, what, what, actually what Pete Gregg's encouraging in his book, it's a bit like learning to do the sort of the blessed thoughts that um, are godly thoughts and then say them appropriately in a situation. So something that builds people up, something that is Bible-based, something that speaks of, of Jesus Christ is Christ-like. And this is, this is good, but it hasn't got the full punch of, I saw you under the fig tree, that just sort of changes a situation like that. And so I think one of our callings with SOMA is to try and encourage people to move on beyond the, I saw a picture of a waterfall, to why did you see a picture of the waterfall? <laughs> Who was that for? What did it mean? When should you have said it? How should you have said it? And what's God going to do with it? And is there a scripture that backs that up and that just gives it a boom factor? <laughs> because God loves to share the secrets of his heart. And, and to get onto Prophecy 102 will change how we do church a lot. Um, a, a nice story from Harrow. Um, a really great intercessor lady up in Harrow when the church was about to buy a building uh, to expand their youth ministry. It was, it was you know, a genuinely wise thing to do to try and invest and expand their youth ministry. And she was driving along one day and, uh, and God just gave her a revelation of traffic lights and it was like, stop, red light. 
And she knew in her spirit, because she walked carefully with Jesus, that this was him saying something to the church leadership about buying this particular building. So you've just got to do more due diligence on this. They did due diligence, and I forget the entire details of why it would have been a bad buy, but it would have been a disaster. And that red traffic light flew against what you might see as sensible wisdom or committee decision-making into prophetic revelation of don't do it. And that's what we might call prophecy 102. Okay, moving on a bit more. God, why did you show me a red traffic light? Was it just that you were criticizing my driving? <laughs> Was it that you know, I'm a bad driver? Or is it something for church? Why, when, where, how, who to say it to? Um, and the, the, the second part of this is that I don't think you get better at this without doing what, what I call rapid response listening. So you get a nudge that you're supposed to text someone or you're supposed to look at that website or you're supposed to not look at that website or you're, you're supposed to go that direction and you either obey that nudge or you disobey that nudge, yeah? It's not to super spiritualize it. It's not saying that God wants to, no, don't do anything without God saying something. But you get this nudge. You either obey it immediately or you don't. If you, if you don't obey it immediately, there's different consequences, aren't there? I met an incredible story from the States of a guy, I think it was in the Happiest People on Earth story, the full Gospel Businessman's Fellowship, who uh, delivered Gospels all over the United States. Um, and he, he was talking to God about it, and he felt God revealed to him that he wasn't his first choice person to do it. It wasn't his, even his second choice person, he was the third choice person to do it, but the others got scared by the revelation and didn't do it. So he got the joy of being the one who got to complete God's task for him, yeah? Um, a friend of mine who, who spoke at our church recently, he had this nudge from God to go to someone's house that he knew was uh, empty because they were away abroad on holiday. Uh, and he was like, God was like, go, go there, drive there. He was like, no. <laughs> I was like, no, Christopher, go there. It's like, no, <laughs> they're not there. Anyway, he gave in because he got used to trying to follow God, but he wasn't very pleased about it. He banged on the door and there's no answer. So he's like, there. <laughs> um, but then he had the sense that he should go around the back. So he went around the back and behind the house was a, one of those large open fields. Um, and he got sort of heard voices a few doors along in the back garden. And he realized the, the voice that he could hear was the uh, student-aged son of the people who were away uh, in a back garden with a friend of his. Uh, and he went and knocked on that door, and, and the guy's like, you know, his, he just went ashen, like, what are you doing here? <laughs> and, and, he, and he was like, I, I don't know. Um, uh, and the, and the, the girl that the boy had been talking to said, well, you better tell him. And the boy had gone home to take his life. Um, but because Christopher had listened to God's nudges, however reluctantly, it turned up at exactly the right time. And it was the fact that he turned up was enough to change the situation around. Not so much because he'd turned up as the lovely, wonderful pastor, but because God knew. <laughs> See, that's the thing, isn't it? God knows. And the prophetic gift reveals to people that God knows that's what paul says about it in one corinthians they will bow down on the floor and go your god is real when the prophetic's working in a church they'll go wow and the holy spirit we were talking about at the beginning of this little talk who wants to play around in this building here wants to be just putting these thoughts in your head and your head and your head and your head and your head going you know just encourage that person say this to that person do this to that person and the whole body of christ here listening in tuning in just saying the right thing at the right time nudges they may be tiny little nudges. It may just be, you know, say to Oscar, oh, so nice you're here today, or something like that. Um, they're, they're what begin to, to help us, help us on, on this journey. Um, one more thing, and then we'll, we'll, we'll break for, for tea, coffee, and questions in a sec. If you haven't heard God's voice for a while, there is one of the most helpful things I've ever learned on this is what was the last thing God said to you? And did you follow through on it? <laughs> it sort of has to sink in for a second, doesn't it? What was the last thing he said to you? Like, did you, did you 
did I even pay attention to what the last thing he said to me was? I've got three children. Sometimes they're talking and I realize I haven't listened to a word they've said for the last four or five minutes. I'm just like, you know, composing an email in my head about something important while they're telling me something. Is that how I treat God sometimes? Or if he's got through to me and say, I mean, I had one recently. We were teaching on giving in our church. Um, and I felt God very clear to me say, oh, well, you could increase your giving to that much or to that much. And I was like, no, I'm teaching on giving. <laughs> um, I was like, I, and I, I did this sort of wrestle and I was like, yeah, okay. I've, um, I'll go further for that much. And I did nothing about it. And then each Sunday, you know, we're having the same appeal. Uh, and I'm like, oh yeah, I still haven't done anything about it. Um, and I was like, ooh. But when you completed what God's told you to do, then he can sort of move you on to the next thing. So that's prophecy uh, 102. Uh, how do we get a bit sharper? Uh, more than just the nice, blessed thought. We interrogate it. We rapidly respond, listen. And we check that we've been obedient with whatever he's told us to do most recently. Um, how are we doing in the room? Well, I think, is, is there a question you'd like to ask now? Would that be helpful before we break? You go for it, please do. It's, I, I repeat, Peter. So, so that the, the gist is of being a psychologist, and, and you've been working with people who've had nudges that are not necessarily God nudges. No, they're, yeah, they're quite just, the opposite. They're often. anxious thoughts, and I guess yeah. in the current climate, yeah. anxiety is very prevalent. Yeah. And so, how do we discern? And I haven't got mental health difficulties, but I also have anxious nudges at times. So, how do we discern what is an anxious nudge? Yeah. You know, like, I don't want to get on this plane because I think it's going to crash, yeah. but it doesn't crash. So, yeah. and what is of God? Yeah. It's, it's quite a big one, I know. But. No, no, it's, it's, it's just the most brilliant question because I think it's often very, very personal, um, but there are some sort of safety parameters that you can put around it. So, discerning how God's talked to you. Um, um, I, need, I need to. Before fully answering it, I need to tell you one story of my life that might set it up. When, when I was about 13, somehow into my head, I got it sort of almost downloaded in one of these sort of anxious thoughts that maybe I only had 10 years left to live. Um, you can see that I'm clearly not under 23 anymore, um, tragically. Um, but, uh, but it stayed with me and it became part of my mental narrative. Um, in some ways, it was part of my narrative of being converted and the, the passion that I had in my early years because I was like, you know, I've only got a few years left to live. I've got to make a difference, you know. They, they need to be able to write biographies of my life, <laughs> you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, but a pastor um, caught me in one of these anxious moments and he, he sat me down and he listened to me really well and then he said, Richard, can you put your hand on your heart and say that was from God? And, uh, and I just sat there and it just fell away from me. I didn't need deliverance. I didn't need anything. I just needed him to say that wise pastoral thing. Uh, can you put your hand on your heart so it's from God? And I realized that although I let this thing become a, a narrative in my head and heart, um, a quite, quite a compelling narrative, it, it wasn't of God and I was free from it. So that, that gave me some you know, really interesting sort of pause in terms of thinking about these things and one of the things I think I discovered is that um, I often feel that when God's speaking to me um, I either get a similar sensation or a similar sort of sense of where it's coming into my head um, that for, for me has been a very practical sense of yeah, that feels like it's God and then what I've done over the years is try and test it out often in very safe places, um, like we'll do today, where it, you know, there's freedom to, to learn and grow. Um, and, and I've also sort of learned that sometimes my emotional 
um, enthusiasms can be mixed into what I think are my spiritual revelations. Um, so there's a sort of sense of what St. Paul says, we know in part and we prophesy in part. And the great temptation is to fill in the blanks. <laughs> and that's often where these things can be really dangerous. There's actually a very well-known Christian leader in the country who was a teenager in a church that went wildly charismatic in the 80s. And the entire youth group got really damaged by a group of prophets coming in, prophesying wildly over them. Um, and it really hurt them. Um, so we, we have to be quite discerning, and we'll pick up on this after, after the coffee break, about how we, how we discern what's what, how we, how we find things collectively and together. If it's a private sense of God saying this that doesn't fit in with Scripture or doesn't fit in with Christ-likeness or isn't, generally isn't uplifting or encouraging for, for, for normal, um, then we need to be suspicious of it. Um, but where, where um, particularly with, with young people, I think, where these thoughts are crowding in, uh, maybe of all ages, um, I think what, one of the things that we need to be aware of is that there's a, a vacuum in the Christian, or in, or in a human soul, that God wants to be speaking into, that if that voice isn't there, other voices will jump in on it. Um, and so one of the best things that we can do for anyone is to lead them into a, a personal relationship with Jesus so that he is speaking to them. Because until that's filled up with him, uh, all of those anxieties and thoughts will continue to crowd in um, as, soon as, as soon as the situation's changed a bit. Um, you can be a Christian and be completely depressed, completely anxious. You know, we, we all go through those sort of times. Elijah was a great example of uh, you know, a prominent Bible character who was, uh, had extreme mental health issues. Um, and he's you know, one of the great heroes in the New Testament as well as the Old. So you know, we're, we're all a bit mixed up. But um, yeah, that's, that's some, of the, some of the early thoughts on that. We'll pick it up a bit more in, in a coffee break. Jenny. Let's have a break and we can do, I encourage us to use, the, use this break not just for kind of, I mean it's great to have chit chat, that's lovely, but, um, but let's use it to kind of be um, activating the questions that are stirring in our minds, uh, anything that's kind of come up so far, um, anything you just want to churn over with, with somebody else, here we are, a body of Christ, you know, we're, we're believers who have the Holy Spirit living in us, so um, you know, let's, let's use this opportunity to, to, um, to kind of dig into this a little bit more as a community before we kind of come back for, for a bit more questions and exploration. Uh, so we'll grab a coffee, stretch our legs, um, chat with one another and draw us back together in maybe 15 minutes or so.